Welcome to Let's Chew the Gum. I'm your host, Protocol. We talk about a lot of things in this show while we chew the gum. And as always, on each and every show, we always have something for your mind. Welcome back to the latest episode of Let's Chew the Gum, the podcast where we talk about everything from A to Z while we chew the gum. You know, some people say that you shouldn't chew gum and talk, but here we believe it's okay. Why not chew the gum and talk? It helps you to focus. It gives you a little bit of a rhythm. And if the side effect is a little fresh breath, that just adds to the, the, the pleasure. So today we have a very special guest that I'm going to introduce you guys to. Most recently, he was listed or uh, in a magazine put out by the Florida Department of State for the Division of Cultural Arts. 50 stories for 50 years. And I think that's just great that our guest was able to be, be a part of that and was acknowledged as such. My guest today is Brian Owens. He is a professional artist, an applied scientist, an amateur writer, and a shade tree mechanic. And we'll have to talk about that one a bit bit later. You can find Brian at www.brianowensart.com. And that's spelled B-R-I-A-N-O-W-E-N-S, brianowensart.com. And you can also find him on YouTube at Brian Owens Art on YouTube. My guest has a long list of accomplishments and accolades. His first major commission was for the Corporation for Olympic Development in 1996. He's been cited six times in the Journal of the Portrait Society of America. He's won several artist grants, including the George Sugarman Grant, which was an honor, I imagine, because there are thousands of people that apply for that grant. In 2011, he Uh, I imagine was commissioned to complete and did complete the foot soldiers monument for St. Augustine, Florida. And many of you know that St. Augustine is the oldest city in America and it's a permanent feature. He's done a life-size bronze of Dr. Arthur Harold Parker, an esteemed educator from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. He was the first principal for the first high school for African-Americans. He also was the president of the Alabama Teachers Association and a professor at the esteemed Tuskegee University. And I must say Tuskegee was my dream school growing up. And although I was accepted out of high school, I didn't go. But still, shout out to Tuskegee. His artistic endeavors also include that of on oil, acrylic, pastel and pencil. He's delved into audio podcasting and writing, as I said before. His awards and grants span three decades, and he has collections across the southeastern eastern United States. His commissions also span and exhibitions also span three decades. He's been referenced in several periodicals and contribute contributed to various publications. 
both in print and online. Some of his most recent works include a bronze sculpture of Dr. Charles G. Adams, another one of, of Frankie Muse Freeman, who was a U.S. Commission, I'm sorry, she's a part of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. He has recently done short films with the title of Rise and another one from start to finish, both of which are beautifully done. If you get a chance to go to his website, please check those out. Some services that he provides include general sculpture repair, fine art sculpture and restoration and conservation, marble and granite bases, custom art boxes and pedestals, art instruction, art direction, mold making and face casting for plastic surgery. I really could go on and on about the accolades, the work and just the, the wonderful accomplishments that my guest has, have had, has had. But I'd like to bring him on so that we can talk to him more about that. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Brian Owens. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Tyler. It's, it's an honor to be here. Absolutely, man. It's it's uh, something that I, I had long thought of of having you on the show from the from the time that I started this podcast. Um, you know, I've been following you on Facebook and and, and admiring your art from a distance, and, and has have just been amazed by it. And and as an educator, and although I'm not an educator of art, but as an educator, I, I really do appreciate the value that art provides our students and the opportunity opportunities that are there. So seeing what, what you've accomplished and being able to expose others to that and, and to have them inspired and for individuals just to see, you know, what art can do for you and, and how you can bring your imagination, your talents and gifts to life it has just been amazing. So I, I, I'm wondering, Thank you. oh, absolutely. I'm wondering, Brian, um, now I've, I've known you for many years and, and although we haven't been in contact for some time, I've always admired you. And I'm just wondering what were your inspirations? How did you go get to this point of of the proliferation of, of works that you do and the creativity that you have? What are your inspirations? Well, that's a good question because although I've put in a lot of uh, hard work and I've made a lot of sacrifices and I've had help, it's still not entirely clear to me how I arrived at this point. Uh, I'd like to take complete authorship for it, but I know that there are a lot of things happening uh, in my favor that I didn't, that I can't really take authorship for. I can't really claim uh, to have done myself. For example, my father was a successful illustrator uh, and artist. And so uh, that certainly had an effect. I, I certainly benefited from that. Both my parents were college educated. Uh, the house I grew up in, uh, well, I, I probably by the age of 18 had the equivalent of a liberal arts college degree just from living in that house. So uh, inspiration is kind of is is kind of hard and fuzzy it's difficult for me to define completely uh, i am inspired by the desire to be free free to do my own thing um free to uh move in the direction i want and uh disobey the instructions i receive from the from the culture at large uh i think that's i think that's a predominant force underlying everything that's happened to me 
Sure. And that makes perfect sense, I think, not only for for a lot of people, but particularly for an artist, the, the way you phrase that to be free of the instructions given to you by society at large or the culture around, because oftentimes society, as you know, it tries to depict individuals and, and peg hole individuals. You know, you're from this place, so you should be or you're of this race, so you should say or whatever. But when it comes to art, I, the ability to be free and just to express I mean, it's, it's so important because we are all individuals and regardless of race, color, creed or where you were born, we, we're endowed with with certain talents. And to be able to have the freedom to express those is remarkable. And unfortunately, I see a lot of individuals who shy away from that. So I just applaud you for being able to have that that realization and, and desire and understanding to be free of that. You know, it's, it's not about turning your back on particular individuals or cultural attributes is really just about the self-expression. And when you can do that and are able to display that in, in forms of art, whether it be song, paint, dancing, sculpture, whatever it may be, it I think it only benefits society as a whole. And, and it leaves something for other individuals to maybe become inspired by or just to be able to appreciate. So I, I'm glad that you said that. Yeah, man. Autonomy is uh, right at the heart of, of what it means to be a happy human being for a lot of people, perhaps even most people. And uh, that will be true for a rocket scientist as much as for any artist. So if uh, I, 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 I do think that I've moved my life in the, in the general direction of maximum autonomy for Brian Owens. And then uh, there's a price to be paid for that too, because you're gonna you're gonna have to take hits. Well, everybody takes a hit, no matter what choice they make. They end up paying for it some kind of way. So you just have to be ready to uh, to get ready for those for those blows when they come. So it's not easy. Uh, it wouldn't be easy for self-directed uh, autonomous. Uh, social engineer uh, wanting to launch his own um, uh, version of uh, Facebook, or just as it's not easy for me. So anybody who's looking to go against the grain or run at cross purposes to what the culture has instructed them to do is uh, is going to get banged up, but. People do stuff like that because it's in them. And it's part of our, it's part of our native human wiring. Absolutely, at least, at least to me. Sure, no, understood. I know recently I've I've seen I was watching some show, may have been the Grammys or something, and and I normally don't watch those shows. You know, earlier and you know years ago I would because I was such a fan, and I'm still a fan of music. But I happened to watch this last one. I believe it was the Grammys, and there was uh, there's a young man I, I've don't recall his name right now, but uh, uh, African-American guy, but he has a country song that was a big hit. And although it was a big hit in some realms, people would say, you know, he, he's doing white people's music to quote them. And uh, every time I hear things like that, it, it just bothers me to the core. And I, I always stop folks to say, you know, music is music and it's a universal language and there's no one group that has a monopoly on any type. You know, if you're so inspired or to, to 
engage in a particular type of music, you know, go for it. And, and so when I hear people say that, I can see other artists or musicians in the room that may cringe or, or shrink down because they feel like, uh oh, if I express myself in that way, I'm going to be deemed you know, out of pocket or out of place. And so, you know, it's important that we continue to let individuals know that it's an open realm and it's an open field. And, and like you said, you, you are going to take hits. Um, was there anything that you can think of in, in your life growing up in your formative years? And, and I think formative years continue, but in, in your adolescence that may have prepared you to withstand the hits that you may have taken or, or, or what you're referring to in terms of taking a hit? Well, I think that uh, this is especially true of artists. It probably applies to a lot of other people as well. You, you have to, you have, you're in a better position to succeed at the thing that you want to do if you feel that's why you're here. Like, uh, if you, if you're a young person and you aspire to be an actor or a medical doctor or whatever, then uh, you should, anything that's difficult like that, then you should ask yourself beforehand, uh, can I imagine myself doing anything else? Um, do I, would I feel as if my life was meaningless if I did anything else? And, you know, if your answer affirms that, you know, that you feel that strongly about the thing that, that, that you, about the path you want to go down, then you should probably go down that path. You may or may not be successful at it. You may or may not make any money at it, but uh, that will probably be the, the correct choice for you, like in that moment. And, uh, and you, should, you should put in a sustained effort long enough to determine for yourself uh, whether you worked hard enough and, 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 and blasted away at the thing long enough. And now I've forgotten what you asked me. <laughs> well, well, no, I was, I was pretty much just saying, you know, you were talking about in those particular or in many fields, you would take hits. And I just was wondering, was there anything in your early oh, life yeah, experiences yeah. or guidance or individuals that helped you to, you know, gain a substantial amount of, of, of fortitude to withstand those hits and to pursue your dream despite yeah. the odds or naysayers? Yeah, uh, I would say I can't think of anything uh, in particular. I think my strength came from uh, choosing the right path, getting off of one path and deciding to go down another. The path of art was the correct thing for me as a human being to do. Like I was already wired up to want to go down that path. And so uh, if it's that important to you, then uh, that's important because there's going to be, there's going to be times when you're going to have, oh, I forget the right phrase for it. There's going to be dark nights of the soul ahead for you, no matter what. So if it's that important to you, then you've done yourself a favor. You've conditioned yourself uh, emotionally to to withstand uh, the heavy blows that are going to land on you. Uh, it's not for me, like I'm speaking for myself now, right? For me, it wasn't so much as I, I wasn't, I wasn't receiving the inspiration from other people as much as I was um, following the path that was correct for me. But having said that, there were other people for me to, uh, uh, to, to talk to this, to, to, to talk to about this subject. For example, 
you know, any artist who's been living off of his work uh, would have no shortage of, of advice on how to uh, how to uh, ready yourself for uh, the good and the bad things that are going to happen to you. So I had access to, to other artists. Uh, you know, I had access to my father. Uh, I, I developed relationships with uh, a couple of sculptors who were who had uh, basically traveled down the path of their career way farther than I had. And uh, they were available to me to talk to. So, uh, so that helps. But none of that is going to work. No amount of uh, uh, support by uh, mentors or friends or family is going to work unless you really wanted to go down that path and do whatever it took to begin with. Hmm. Well said. Well said. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, tell folks all the time that I encounter that have certain passions and um, sometimes they're non-traditional um, ideas that they may have. And, and I express to them, you know, if, if that is, like you said, if that's something you really wanted to do, pursue it and, and give it all you have and, and all that you dream, you've dreamed of, because the alternative is you live a life wondering what if. And, and that's not a, a comfortable feeling to have. What if, you know, when you, if you've gotten into a career that you don't like because it's about money or security or whatever it may be, but that inside passion that you have lingers, it, it's something that can keep you awake at night. So I encourage anyone to, you know, pursue your dreams because you, you have this one opportunity here on, on earth to, to do that. And if it's your dream, it, it's not someone else's dream or passion. It's not for them to decide. That's not for, for you to do. You have to pursue it. Now, if you're in a situation where you, where, where you can't at the time, right, because reality sets in, maybe you have certain obligations you have to meet and, and that's understandable where, you know, I'm not saying to, to lose your home and your families over things, but sometimes those things happen too. And we, we don't know, you know, if it would have been for the better or not, but by all means, per, pursue your dreams because, uh, you don't want to be left with the what if feeling. Yeah. And unfortunately, some people decide, well, I'm going to pursue my dream when I'm rich or I'm going to pursue my dream when I'm in semi-retirement or whatever. And um, I, I started pursuing my dream. I started to realize I had a dream when I was in my uh, when I was approaching 30. So I still had enough time to get my act together. It would have been a shame had I decided to do this in my 40s or my 50s, because I don't think it would have played out well for me at, at all. There's a, there are some things that, that you need to experience in youth because that's when you have the most energy. And it takes a long time to build the connections and uh, the wisdom uh, that you're going to need downstream. So... Uh, you know, if if you feel compelled to do something uh, unusual or extraordinary and take some risk, then uh, it's probably to your benefit if you do it uh, in the days of your youth rather than wait. And you know, we watch other people who are super successful do things later in life, and we're left with the uh, impression that anybody can do it later in life. But that's just not the case. Um, you know, I think of uh, the architect Louis Kahn. He hung out his shingle and decided to become 
to start an architectural practice at the age of 53. Uh, by the time he was in his early 70s, he was regarded as one of the three or four most influential architects in the world. But guys like that are an outlier, and and pursuing that career killed him. Uh, you know, he died of a heart attack or something in uh, a bathroom in an airport because uh, you, you know he was he was doing the job that uh, the universe might have uh, uh, he might have put upon him you know in his in his thirties or forties not in his not in his seventies. So, but but we don't think about that. We just see the success story. We you know we read the article about how this person managed to pull a rabbit out of a hat. Right. Um, and it's unlikely you're going to be pulling rabbits out of hats. So get an early start. Yeah, I think I think it is advantageous to to, to start early. I, I also know you know there's a lot of folks who sometimes early in life they feel that they're pursuing their dream or their pathway and then they get into it it could be five ten years and they realize you know this is not you know really what I want to do or I had this passion that I didn't pursue early on and and I know that you're not suggesting that people don't pursue their dreams later but I I think what you're saying is it's advantageous if you are able to to start early right because I know that like you said with this guy there's a lot of people later on in life that start and you know maybe they don't you know, it can be an outlier and have massive success, but still, should you continue to pursue your dreams at, at a later stage in life? Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, it's a judgment call and it, it relates back to what you were saying before about the responsibilities you have personally to other people. Um, and I, I'm sure there's lots of other factors too, like your state of health, how much money you have. But like you were saying before, we only we only uh, have this life, so um, why not take an acceptable risk and uh, and do what you can to move in the direction that you think you should be moving in? I I, I hesitate to word to use words like bliss because I think that's kind of an over oversimplification. My life is certainly not blissful, but. Uh, at the end of the day, I feel like uh, I'm doing the right thing. Now, that's great. You're listening to Let's Chew the Gum, the podcast where we talk about everything from A to Z. You can find us on all podcasting platforms. I don't know about all, but there's so many now that I can't list them all. But we're on Anchor. We're on Spreaker, Spotify, YouTube. We're on Podbean. We're just uh, just about anywhere where you could think to find a podcast. However, I'm going to give you one site today where you can go here and you can find uh, at least seven or eight outlets for us. And that would be at www.anchor.fm slash protocol. That is P-R-O-T-K-A-L-L www.anchor.fm dot fm slash protocol so you go there and you can find links for apple podcasts and google podcasts etc also feel free to email us at let's chew the gum at gmail.com you can email in to become a guest on the show or if you have questions or 
topics you want to see addressed on the show, we're always open to taking those. And at, at the anchor site, if you like what you're hearing and you want to support the show, there's also a tab there to support the show with a donation of your choice. And uh, we'd love to have you. And we, we're glad that you're listening. Um, our guest today, again, is Brian Owens. He is a renowned sculptor and artist and all around good guy. And we've been enjoying our conversation with him. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Brian, if you're OK, I want to talk about a little bit of, of your artwork and what you've done in the art world. We'll be right back. Sure. Something for your mind. 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 Something for your mind. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it could be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast also with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for listening to our sponsors. We're back with our guest, Brian Owens renowned sculptor and artist. And uh, Brian, I um, was looking at uh, a quote and I have your quote written written down because it's, it's similar to something that I live by. And your your quote that you made was art is not what I do. It's who I am. Art yeah. art is not what I do. It's who I am. Tell us a little bit just about the philosophy behind that and how that drives your 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 focus and, and maybe um, contributes to conversations or interactions you have with individuals in life. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that there's no firm line of demarcation between the personality named Brian Owens, who's talking to you now, and uh, and the art that I make, that everything is the whole of my life is in orbit around uh, this thing called called art and uh, art in its many forms, whether it be sculpting or painting or trying to learn videography or what or whatever it be. Uh, I, I spend most of my waking life thinking about this stuff, and uh, uh, it's it's part and parcel of of who I am. It's how I identify myself. There's no off switch. I can't turn it off. Uh, and so it's, uh, I think of it as, as part of my identity, part of my personality. But that's probably true for a lot of people who uh, are into what they do, the way that I'm into what I'm doing. You know, if right now there's some infectious disease, uh, doctors who, that when, from the moment they open their eyes in the morning to the moment they, they go to sleep at night, they're thinking about it, solving or curing infectious diseases because that's how they roll. And, uh, and their family has to put up with it you know, or, you know, or they find, <laughs> or they find ways of coping uh, when the, the interest uh, in what they do is that intense. So uh, I know I'm not alone, but, but that's how I'm wired up. I'm, I'm on all the time. Hmm. Now, that, that makes sense. It, it reminds me, of, I was speaking at a, at a conference some years back to a group of, of students who were taking courses to become a teacher. And um, I'd asked the audience, how many of you are 
wanting to be teachers and most of them raised their hands and I said, okay, hands down. And I said, you know what? You guys are teachers. What you want is a credential that allows you to get into the classroom. Right. And I firmly believe that, you know, you are already a teacher. You know, I don't know if they're boring or born or it's just something that envelops right. in you. But that's what you are. You just are here to get the paper to do what you do. So that makes sense of, of who they are. Speaking of, of teaching. Yeah, that's and, a good way. That's a good way of looking at it. Right. Right. You just want the paperwork yeah. to get you in the door. But that's who you are already. Um, speaking exactly. of that, are there were there any. Um, particular uh, art classes that you took in high school or middle school or things like that, that um, may have not, not solidified your path, but maybe kind of gave you an opening to this is something that I, I do. And I know your father, um, you spoke about his influence, but what about within schools? There was, I think very little in my public education that influenced me because uh, I took an interest in sculpture after I had moved to Florida, I was in my uh, mid-20s to late-20s, and I uh, made some friends who were sculptors, and I uh, got in the habit of helping them in their studios and uh, helped them cast their own bronzes using equipment of their own design. These are guys who had managed to build their own gas-fired uh, furnaces and other industrial appliances because they couldn't afford to buy the real thing. And I was intrigued by the, by the fact that these guys were doing that. These were not engineers. These were just practical people who uh, they weren't going to let anything stand in their way and they, and they didn't have money to hire people to do it. So they were going to figure out how to do it themselves. And, and I think that's when uh, I caught the bug and aspired uh to become a sculptor. And then as years went by, I uh, got more and more serious about it and began to think of myself as, uh, as being capable of making a living from it. So it was like a gradual progression, but it had to do with the people that I was rolling with, which uh, is kind of interesting because that that's evidence, at least for me, that it's important who you hang out with because they become like you and you become like them. Mm. And for the better or worse, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We know a lot of the alternative stories exist. No, that that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, I, I asked that question because recently, um, you know, I attended two high schools, one uh, Cooley High School in, in Detroit and then Crenshaw High School in, in Los Angeles. And recently some of the, uh, alumnus uh, reached out to me because of uh, there were being cuts to programs, um, visual and performing arts programs. And this has been true across the country in, in many areas for for over a decade now, where schools have have made choices to focus on testing rather than artistic programs. And and I, I am aware um, that a lot of students have these artistic talents and, and desires. And when those programs are cut, um, whether they're in schools or in communities, it, it leaves many students reeling to, to find their place. And sometimes it can, you know, dampen or put the fire out on their passion. So I, I, I'd asked that because I just wanted to get some insights on or your insights on the importance of art programs in schools. Right. Yeah, I think it's very important. It's but it's difficult to quantify. We uh, are educating young people 
using a model that was invented back when the United States was an agrarian economy. Absolutely. And the purpose of education was uh, to reach a, a minimum level of proficiency in reading and writing and math so that you could get your butt back on the farm and uh, continue to produce corn or whatever. And now that situation no longer exists. And we find ourselves struggling to, uh, to reinvent ourselves, basically. It's a huge country and it's a huge problem. Somehow we know that learning is at the heart of all things. Uh, I wish I could remember who said this. It was some corporate giant who said that the only sustainable advantage that a human being has in the workforce is their ability to learn because uh, the things that you're taught in school will ultimately, uh, uh, they won't be be proven to be false, but they will be proven to be obsolete. And so it's it's our continual drive to, to desire to know more and to learn more that uh, is, is absolutely imperative for us uh, in the here and now. So we've got to figure out how to do that. Artists, uh, I think, are important because we find ways of, we find new angles of looking at things that other people don't see. That's uh, easy to say, difficult for me to um, uh, to explain, you know, without going into this at, at great depth. But uh, the same uh, part of the brain that is exercised in uh, an attempt to create a work of art, that same part of the brain is being exercised uh, as people try to figure out how to deal with uh, some crazy disease in a way that's creative, in a way that doesn't necessarily line up with what they were taught. Uh, The problem is different. The discipline is different. And yet it, it depends on creativity. And that's where uh, our future lies tapping into the part of us that's capable of learning and and uh, uh, and and evolving into something new. Wow! Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It, it makes quite a bit of sense, actually. And, and I don't mean to make light of it in any way, but I'm thinking, wow, maybe we should have more artists in the realm of science because their ability to be creative and to look at things from different perspectives. You know, I'm I'm making a little bit light, but but not at all in 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 a sense because like you said, the same part of the brain that, that, you know, it, it functions in, in both of those capacities and some have just chosen a pathway and they they're using that creativity for art and others who, as you said, may be biologists or other scientists are doing a similar thing. Um, but just in a, in a different realm. So that, that makes perfect sense. You, um, there are people who are, there are people who are actually going down that road, trying to figure out how to do that. There are corporations, for example, that, uh, you know, where a person, where an artist can compete to go uh, take a residency in a corporation that is essentially a technology corporation, uh, on the theory that if we give this artist access to our uh, resources, we're curious to find out what that artist does with them. 
I I don't know anything about the intelligence agencies uh, that exist in this country, but I've read uh, in in more than one uh, uh, in more than one place that uh, intelligence agencies have even gone so far as to uh, hire writers to imagine bizarre scenarios uh, to cre- to create out of their own imaginations. Uh, the way the bizarre ways in which catastrophes might uh, uh, unwind catastrophes like the like the one we're living in now. Sure. Uh, but so uh, there's hope in that human beings are um, we're struggling to find out what that connection is, and uh, we just have to keep going down this path and keep exploring and keep evolving. Wow. Here, here I go making a little bit light of what you said in this, but this is actually something that that's happening. That's great. And it, it makes sense um, to, to do that. You used two words in, in um, previously you, you mentioned to reinvent and to learn. And, and based upon what you said, as far as getting into sculpting at the age of 30, that that was a, a reinvention and an opportunity to learn. So so how did it progress from just kind of, uh, you know, tinkering around with with friends and associates to helping them to you having, you know, sculptures that are uh, award winning and, and being in magazines and cited and, and referenced and being commissioned to to do these great works? Um, how does that happen? Yeah, that's it. A- that's a good question. It's hard to answer with any kind of uh, accuracy. I, you know, I'll just give you my best guess. I think it begins with obsessive desire. Uh, whatever this thing is that you feel you need to do, uh, at some point, you're going to have to decide how important that is to you, really. Uh, what you're willing to, to set aside in order to keep going down that path. And so uh, it all starts with the, with the obsession. Artists are known for being, uh, for having that, that quality of mind, and, which you know is not surprising because it's a tough thing to pull off. And then after that, uh, you know, s- small successes uh, give way to larger successes, which give rise to opportunities to compete for stuff that's that's even larger. Um, you prove that you can deal with a budget of uh, a couple thousand dollars, and then having succeeded, uh, you get an opportunity to handle $10,000. And when you didn't mess that up, you get a chance to handle more money. It all layers on top of itself. And, and so, like, by after the passage of a few decades, it, it looks like you almost achieved the thing by magic. But it's not really magic. It's like uh, it's a layering of uh, of skills and an evolving of a frame of mind to the point where it's not self-evident how you can do the thing anyway. But but the same is true for all sorts of human endeavor. It's not self-evident how a car works. Uh, it's not a it's not a car. It's a it's a computer with wheels, and it's. Uh, you know, the better part of a century of, of knowledge layered on top of knowledge. It's not self-evident to me how it's possible that extreme athletes can, uh, can do the things that they do, but they've gone down their own evolutionary path. 
not biological evolution, but some other kind of crazy human evolution. So in the end, uh, human beings, uh, we're, uh, there is some limit to what human beings can do, probably. We just don't know what those limits are. And if you blast away at this thing that you want to do long enough, then eventually it'll be a mystery to other people how you pull it off. Hmm. Well, well said. Yeah, I, I'm I'm mystified. You know, when I, I saw the the addition of, of your, your story and, and the uh, Division of Cultural Arts in Florida, the 50 stories for 50 years. I mean, 50 stories when you when you have to, to frame, you know, a, a, a term or a length of time, 50 years, I mean, and anything that gets into that, it it has to have some significance. I mean, how do you, you know, choose 50, you know, and, and for you to be a part of that 50, I mean, that that's great. And, and when I see, you know, some of the works you've done in, in cities like St. Louis and, and Alabama, I'm just I, I think about, well, well, you know, what were the connections that, that caused someone to say, hey, we, we, we want you to we want to commission you to do these uh, sculptures of these very influential people. You know, um, is there. Uh, well, let me address that. Yeah, please let me do. address that because mm-hmm. that's important. Um, that gives rise to the question, how do you find business like that? Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that I've found, uh, well, it, it falls broadly into two file folders. One file folder is public art projects that are uh, broadcast to the public, that are open for anyone who wants to compete for them. And uh, some projects I've won uh, were handled in that way, where I just competed along with everyone else, and at the end of the day, I'm the guy who got it. And then after you do that a few times and people become aware uh, that you do good work, then happily the phone will ring at some point and someone will say, uh, look, we've been, we've been watching you with great interest. We think uh, uh, we'd like to work with you. Uh, we're talking to somebody else. It's not just you. So uh, would you please come talk to us about, about making this thing we want to make and you find yourself in a position where you're you're competing against maybe one other guy or two other guys instead of 60 or 70 other guys. And this is part of the uh, evolution that happens over a period of many years. In the first, you're getting your head handed to you, one rejection uh, letter after another, or, or perhaps no contact at all. And then uh, over a period of decades, uh, you, you know, your, your situation is, is a much happier one where you, you, may, you may have lost, but you lost to maybe one guy who was truly better than you, and you know exactly, and you know exactly why. So when I started my career, uh, I created some very small sculptures, but I made them so detailed that when they were photographed, it wouldn't be self-evident that they were small. And uh, when I put them in my portfolio, of course, I told the truth. I told how, how large they were. But the illusion was convincing enough so that uh, a city government uh, wanted, wanted me to compete for one of their public art projects on the basis of those slides. They wanted me to do something much larger, but 
the important thing was that I had convinced them uh, through my portfolio that I was I was able to come up. My imagination was able to conjure up something that they thought was worthwhile, and I I started my career making stuff small because that's all I could afford to make, and I and I didn't have the space to make anything big anyway. It would have made it would have been a mistake for me to try to make something big, but I, that was part of a deliberate plan. I did that deliberately because I knew that uh, two years down the line the city of Atlanta was going to uh, be holding uh, the Olympic Games in 1996 and that I'd better start getting my act together if I wanted to compete. And that was part of my plan. And happily, the plan uh, worked out. And I was one of the sculptors that did work for the city of Atlanta uh, in preparation for the Olympic Games. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, there's a lot of, in that instance that I just cited, I was thinking tactically Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's that tactics. Uh, I try to deploy and use, uh, whenever possible, but you do so knowing that, uh, the tactics may not work and that you've got to be ready to, uh, zig when you thought you were going to zag, uh, always, uh, knowing that, uh, life is evolving in ways that are, uh, uh, fuzzy and foggy and that you're in the end you're still going to have to adapt in order to uh stay in the game mm-hmm. yeah the, very 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 interesting it it um brings so many things to mind but uh you know i'm, I'm wondering and thinking you know when the when the tactic doesn't work you know the when you spoke we spoke earlier about and you you brought up the point of being able to take a hit or or whatnot and so I'm thinking when the when the tactic doesn't work and you've invested you know time and and energy into a project and maybe you've developed something you know um how do you rebound from that you know you talked about the 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 many times of being told no or no contact at all how do you rebound when you you've put time and energy into a tactic or a plan and and it doesn't go in your favor but you've you know you've exhausted this time how do you how do you bounce back from that both you know emotionally mentally and professionally yeah that's a good question uh it's got a lot of answers i'm not quite sure i know how to answer it i'll take a stab at it i think part of it is you have to have faith in the future and i'm not really sure what that actually means you have to you have to have faith that at some point you're going to be able to figure this thing out uh you know that you're a uh, a creature like you're a human being you, you know human beings are uh, transient creatures who fall victim to tragedy uh, all sorts of bad things happen if you're a good person that doesn't mean diddly squat because bad things can still happen to you and they will. But uh, you're you're possessed of the idea that it's possible to control the direction in which you move your life to a certain extent. Not totally, but you do have some measure of control over it. And so you try to to exercise as much power in in propelling yourself in the direction you want to go as you can. Um, so, so that's part of it. Faith in the future. 
But then uh, when you run up against a brick, a brick wall or when things start to unravel, there's this, I, I guess you have to sort of surrender yourself to the idea that uh, some of these things are beyond your control. So when you screw up, probably uh, a lot of those screw-ups are going to be your own fault. Uh, at least that's been true for me. Uh, the successes that have come my way, I can't lay complete, I can't claim completely as uh, of my own making, but when I've screwed up, it was, it was usually, it was usually a result of something I did that was not good. Uh, so, but I, but I also know that, uh, you can make all the right decisions and do everything right and still lose the game. And, you know, in, at some point in time, uh, I will have done everything right. And, uh, and, and there'll be some doctor telling me, well, son, you've got the big C. So, or something along those lines. So I'm kind of philosophical about it. And I exercise as much control over, over my life as I can, knowing that, uh, that I don't have ultimate control over it, uh, willing to pick myself up. And, uh, and I think another thing that's helped me is, uh, I've always, I've, I, you know, I move through the world and through life with the constant awareness that I actually don't know enough and I'm not actually smart enough that the status quo is not good enough. And uh, and so I'm, I try to make it a point to continue to learn stuff, and it doesn't necessarily have to be directly about sculpture. Uh, there are gaps in my knowledge. I'm like a big. I see myself as a big piece of Swiss cheese with lots of gaps uh, in my knowledge, and it's my job to try and fill in those gaps as best I can uh, on the theory that if I'm smarter and wiser and faster and can adapt that that'll, that'll factor back into my continued growth as a professional sculptor. So what does that mean? That means, um, that, uh, perhaps understanding and reading, uh, poetry or, or attempting to understand Shakespeare, that might be almost as important as trying to understand, uh, the various clays that are available for me to use. So in the end, in the end, it all gets laid at my feet. The question will be, did I try hard enough? I won't necessarily know how to answer that. And I'll be left with, uh, I'll be left with the question, you know, are you are you generally satisfied with with the work you put in? And uh, hopefully the answer to that is yes, because right now, even with the things I've accomplished, I've just scratched the surface. Sure, no, that that's outstanding. It it just um, you know, I as I'm listening to you, and I hope my listeners are picking up on that. It, it's um so much of what I believe to be true and, and what I try to share with, with my students, both at, at, at high school levels and university, um, 
that that piece of resiliency when it when it doesn't work out? How do you how do you pick back up? And it ties right back into what you spoke about earlier about um, engaging in something that you really want to do and, and what you're willing to do to put aside. Uh, put, put what are, what are you willing to put aside to accomplish it and to maintain that? And then also the idea of you saying having faith in the future. I, I think that breeds yeah. the resiliency. So when it doesn't work out, you know, you've been a realist from the start, understanding that, you know, I can do all these things and maybe it doesn't work out. But was the point of me doing it because I, I had a particular goal that I wanted to reach? Or is this just what I do and what accolades and accomplishments and successes come along? Not not that they're happenstance, but it's a re- it's a result of what you do. But then when it doesn't work out, I'm, I'm still this person and I still have faith in the future. Maybe this project wasn't for me. Maybe this event I wasn't supposed to be a part of. But there's so much more to rely on. So I, I try to tell my students that same thing rather than than focusing on the one thing or the one time it didn't work out. You know, you, you spoke of small successes. And I use that word a lot with students and teachers to say sometimes we just need to have those small successes. And I tell my students those small successes, that's your evidence. When it doesn't work out, look back on the successes you had and see and think about the ingredients that were that were there and present that helped you to succeed. And understand that if you fail, you can succeed again. Whatever success means to you, because you have your evidence. And so it's important that when you you know, when I encounter individuals that don't seem they don't believe they've had successes to help them not only to realize it. And if it's truly a situation where they haven't felt success to help them in steps to find small successes, just just one small one, because I think that that breeds the resiliency to, to take the next step. It's, it's often like working with someone who's in depression or, or any state that alters them or, and prohibits them from, from progressing. Just small victories here and there. And you build upon it and you build upon it and you before long, you've created a body of work or, or some experiences that you can look back on. And, and as you say, ask that question, am I satisfied with 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 what I've done or accomplished or, or, or the effort I put into it? And, and hopefully it's yes. And I, and I think if you if you take that approach, you're going to have the answer of yes. If, if you've diligently put forth the work and the effort and you've been true to yourself and you've been true to your mission and you you have a, a sense of humility, that answer would be yes. And, and if it's not, hopefully you have an opportunity to change it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's another good point, because uh, I think people should. They should be uh, uh, constantly aware of of the fact that life is unfolding in ways that we can't completely understand and get our arms around. So the theory that, that you had that was working for you in the recent past, uh, you may, you may prove that theory to be, uh, incorrect. And so, uh, maybe, maybe part of the key is to, as we propel ourselves forward, we don't get married to the theories that we have. We, we have hypotheses instead of theories. If, if you see yourself as having developed a hypothesis, hypotheses about how to, how to do your thing, then you've opened yourself up to the possibility and the probability that you're going to have to change as you move forward and, and adapt and uh, change and learn and survive and uh, shift gears and throw out the thing that didn't work and adopt the tactics that appear to be working 
for as long as they work and for as long until you have to change again. Wow. You know, I, as you Does that as make you, any sense, it makes a lot of sense, Brian, as you're speaking those words, I'm visualizing an artist such as yourself sculpting and applying exactly what you're saying. It sounds like that's how you would go through applying a craft or skill to sculpting, right? It's it, the, the very same words, you know, you adapt, you change, you throw out what, what didn't work, you learn, you, right? It's, it's, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. It, it's so evident. And th this has been a, a great, great uh, conversation that we're having here and, and we're moving up on, on a, a, an end point. And um, I, I wish we didn't have to. I would just um, like to first of all say um, thank you and um, to my audience. Um, I, I want them to please check out your sites um, for my, my listeners. Again, my guest today has been Brian Owens, sculptor, artist, and he has a phenomenal body of work. Um, you can check out some of his work and, and some of the things we've talked about on the show today at his website at www.brianowensart.com. The spelling is B-R-I-A-N-O-W-E-N-S. And then the word art, brianowensart.com. And then also on YouTube at Brian Owens Art. Brian, before we go, um, you know, as much as I, I anticipated and thought this show would be all about the great artwork that you've done across America and which some of it has, this has turned into a great, not only philosophical conversation, but, but one that, that has, I think, prescriptive aids for, for our listeners, uh, for them to latch on to and to hold on to some of the profound sayings that, and, and statements that you've made and, and that we've discussed, because no matter what field they're in, these things apply. And so I, I thank you for that. But before we go, is there any last uh, words or, or thoughts that you would like to leave with our audience? Yeah, uh, I would like to channel the words of my good friend, Professor Trent Tomengo, who says that if you're in college now, stick to the educational program until you earn your degree, despite any misgivings you have or any misgivings anyone else has about you. Wow. Absolutely. Well, you've heard it here, folks. Thank you for tuning in to Let's Chew the Gum. Be sure to check us out. We're here for you. Again, email us at let's chew the gum at gmail.com. If you have questions for our, our guest, please visit his site, brianowensart.com. And be sure to tune in later because we always have something for your Bye.